0: Welcome to the Williamson County School Board meeting. We're going to go ahead and call the meeting to order. Thank you so much for being here tonight. And thank you to Deputy Ron Hooper for being here tonight for us as well. First, we're going to record attendance. School Board members, would record your attendance?
1: We
2: have 11 board members present.
0: Thank you. Next on the agenda is our Pledge of Allegiance and a moment of silence. And our board member, Sheila Cleveland, is going to lead us in the Pledge of Allegiance. Thank you. You may be seated. (laughs) All right, our next item on the agenda Mm -hmm. is items of particular public interest. And this is the time of our meeting when we get to hear from our public. And tonight, we have five speakers who have signed up. Um, I will call you guys up in order of how you signed up. And I'll call you in pairs of two. You don't have to come up. Yet, if you're the second person, just want to let you know that you're the next on the on the agenda. So, first person is Ashley Leonardo, and I apologize if I say your name wrong. Um, you'll see the three-minute mark on the screen, so just pace yourself and um, know when your time is about to be up. So, our first speaker, Ashley Leonardo. Hi.
1: Hi. Thanks for having me, it's Ashley Leonardo. Thank um. you. So I'm coming tonight on behalf of Smart Data Dashboard, and I'm a consultant currently for Smart Data. Um, and being a mom and having a kid in school now as a sixth grader, and seeing her get out of the car and be scared to go to school, given everything that's gone on, she was her school's pretty close to where um, the Covenant shooters' home was. So, understanding Smart Data dashboard is a system that we could implement within our schools that we're not having to take away or change any current systems that are currently in place. The SIS systems that are there would stay. Smart data um, integrates with all of those systems and is able to aggregate all of this data that we have that go in all these different directions into one place for school systems to see. So information that would normally take six weeks to put together with smart data it can happen in six minutes and superintendents teachers counselors they can all see within minutes a child at any at at the holistic view so today if if a kid goes into class and they're disengaging or they're missing a lot of days or um, they're they're being bullied different things are going on one teacher from the next really doesn't understand that they don't see it Um, and because the information goes in all these different systems it's hard for anybody to really figure that out in a a holistic view so smart data um, has worked with schools in arkansas alabama georgia i met with the governor's office last week Um, it's it's making its way through the tennessee schools Um, i would like to see williamson county take take charge on this because we are the best school district in Tennessee, and um, I would love to see our schools take this and run with it. Um, I believe in it. Like I said, I'm a consultant. I'm a mom. And as soon as I heard the details about the system, I was on board 100%. So I would love to schedule a demo with, with whoever I would need to schedule that with with the superintendents. But that's our big goal right now is the safety assessment um, part of it as well do heat maps can understand which schools are safe where we're lacking by classroom um, it, it covers all areas within the school systems so I've got a one pager that I could leave behind here um, for you all to review but that's why I'm here tonight I would love to have the opportunity to show you guys how it works
0: Thank you. And we would be happy to, if you want to leave the items there, we would be happy to look at those. Thank you. you. All right. Next on the agenda, we have Kate Martin. And after Kate, we have Jody Barnwell Smith. Hello, Kate.
3: Pardon? I've had the privilege to work alongside many of you. Uh, but tonight I'm speaking to you as a parent and also as an advocate for inclusive education. Uh, I've spent my career empowering educators to teach all students with a two decade focus on students with disabilities. But in recent years, my eyes have been open to a number of other barriers to inclusion, one of these being gender and identity. Our youngest child, Eli, who spoke to you all earlier this year, advocates for anyone that is systematically left out even if that means testifying to the state legislature about their basic human rights as a transgender person. Every day they face hatred and rhetoric that comes from fear and a fierce protection of the status quo. The most common compliment we hear about Eli is that they're brave, and we couldn't agree more. However, what I'm asking of you today is to play your part in creating a world where Eli doesn't have to be so brave. Eli's experience as a transgender student here has been mixed. But what stands out consistently is the vast majority of their teachers and administrators want nothing more than for them to feel safe, accepted, and supported at school. What has also been consistent, though, is their fear. They're afraid that ensuring Eli's safety and acceptance might get them in trouble with the district or with the board. It's disheartening to think that creating an inclusive environment for a great kid like Eli could make them feel afraid. It feels important to say that silence is an action, that silence is a decision. So in the absence of clear support, our teachers and admin feel trapped between doing what is right and doing what they perceive to be allowed. Surely it's time to ensure that every classroom is a place of belonging for every kid. We need to acknowledge that students like Eli exist in every Williamson County school, many of whom hide for their own safety. Many experience abuse, neglect, and even be being disowned by their caregivers simply because of who they are. And as Eli says, school is more than just a place to learn. It's a place to feel so safe and so accepted that you can learn. I learned something new yesterday that seems timely. Most people think that asthma is a condition where you can't take a breath. In reality, it's actually where your airway swells and the breath that you took can't get out. That precious oxygen that just came in begins to turn toxic because they can't get out and make room for the next life giving breath. It feels like in Williamson County schools, we're holding our breath and it's turning toxic. We're walking on eggshells as we loosely hold the idea of including all kids, while also being worried about the next people with power and loud voices who will lash out with accusations and platitudes about protecting children, just not mine. I realize that supporting a kid like mine might put your seat at risk. I realize that you may uh, get ridiculed, even from your own family members. But remember that kids like Eli endure those hardships every day. I'm only asking you to be as brave as they are so they can take a deep breath and begin to thrive. I'm happy to be your ally in this work. If there is any way that I can be helpful, speaking, educating, connecting you with resources, whatever you need, please know that I stand with you and I believe in you. Thank you very much.
0: Thank you. Next, we have Jody Barnwell-Smith. And after Jody, we have Neely Boyd. Hi everyone
4: since i've begun observing school board meetings and work sessions i've started reviewing past policy discussions and decisions that you all have made i'm just struck by the gravity of the work that you all do to make our community and schools the best they can be and i just wanted to say thank you for your service now williamson county is truly a leader in the state of tennessee and whether by omission or commission We set the tone and policy for the state. One report noted that on some issues, Williamson County is a county divided, and sometimes division is necessary. But one thing we all agree on is that keeping our children safe is of utmost importance. Support of school safety and experts like Mike Fletcher and Sheriff Rhodes is an effective way to bring our county together. 56% of all gun deaths in Tennessee, and 31% of gun deaths of children and teens in Tennessee are by suicide. Child and teen suicide in Tennessee is 8% higher than the national rate, and that is 2011 to 2020 data. When I've met with Sheriff Rhodes to ask how to best support him and his staff, suicide prevention is always close to their hearts and always on their minds. I believe that is the case with our legislators as well. Representative Whitson is undoubtedly preventing many deaths from his work at the state legislature to prevent people from jumping from the Natchez Trace, Trace Bridge just right down the road from some of our homes. Researchers estimate that a suicide was averted in approximately one in 10 gun removal cases brought under one state's extreme risk law. Another law saw a seven and a half percent reduction in its firearm suicide rate in the 10 years following the enactment of its extreme risk law. In mass shootings, the shooter is often both suicidal and homicidal. In 32% of mass shootings, the shooter exhibited dangerous warning signs before the shooting. We have so many safety precautions in Williamson County, such as see something, say something, the ability to submit anonymous tips to the Williamson County Sheriff's Office and the SROs in every school, and among many other safety measures. And yet there is so much more that we can do to prevent harm and death in our schools and communities. There's more that we can do to enable our law enforcement and mental health professionals to do their jobs. However, they must work within the constraints of the law. And if without laws, such as a well-written extreme risk protection order, both law enforcement and mental health professionals have their hands tied. We must work together to listen to what they need and do whatever we can within our power to make it happen, regardless of personal politics or opinion. I support a committee comprised of experts and board members to develop a resolution regarding school safety and the greater implications on state law. Thank you so much for your time. I'm happy to provide all
0: references and data on request. Thank you. Next we have Neely Boyd, and then our final speaker will be Kate Keys.
5: Good evening, my name is Neely Boyd. I live in Franklin. I have two children in WCS and my husband is also a WCS teacher. When my second grader learned about the shooting at Covenant, he looked up at me and said, But if that ever happens at my school, you'll come get me, right? How in the world do you explain to an eight year old that you can't always be there to keep them safe? So instead, I promised I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that never happens at your school. As the elected officials representing our schools, I implore you to do everything in your power to protect the lives of our children by keeping our schools safe. An extreme risk protection order would give school administrators and law enforcement the ability to intervene when a person is deemed an extreme risk to the safety of a school, providing an extra tool to prevent shoot- a shooting from ever happening in our schools. Please form a committee and send a resolution to our state representatives that an ERPO would help keep Williamson County schools safe. Thank you.
0: Thank you. And our final speaker is Kate Keyes.
6: I live in Brentwood and have a sophomore at Brentwood High and one who graduated two years ago I've tried to understand why anyone interested in educating children would want to limit a student's access to books it's possible that the motivation is control or power as it's certainly easier to control those who don't have all the information who are ignorant But I don't believe and don't want to believe that those advocating for restrictions to access to books are primarily motivated by the desire to keep anyone ignorant. Instead, I think you're primarily concerned with keeping children safe. These books contain language and experiences which may be considered offensive or difficult. So I think our differences are ones of opinion as to the best method for keeping our children safe. And I don't think it's possible to keep our children safe from keeping them from difficult information. History has shown that efforts to ban books or limit access to information are ultimately futile. Certainly in the age of smartphones, it's a nearly impossible task. History. um, Sorry, we can't prevent our kids from hearing or seeing things that we wish they wouldn't but I think the best thing that we can do is to keep our children safe by teaching them that they can talk to us about difficult things. The very goal of education is to learn to think deeply and discuss complicated ideas intelligently. The role of our education system is to provide the resources necessary to equip our children with skills to be able to do this, to think deeply, to discuss topics thoroughly, to even disagree calmly, and respectfully teaching children that they are capable of thinking and discussing encourages their confidence teaching them how to clearly and intelligently advocate for their ideas is necessary for peaceful and productive debate for the maintenance of our democracy and really for keeping kids safe because how many kids who do the shootings that so many people have talked about didn't feel safe themselves and didn't feel like they had a community or people to talk to. So I just encourage you all to do everything we can to maintain access to all information and to let people know that this is a safe community for them to share all of their ideas and all of who they are. Thank you.
0: Thank you and thank you to all of our speakers who came out tonight. Know it takes time out of your schedules and we appreciate that you took the time to come and talk with us. Next item on our agenda is the approval of the agenda. Thank you, Mr. Welch. And do we have a second? Thank you, Ms. Apria. Board members, uh, if we don't have any discussion, we will move to a vote.
2: Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. With that um, 11 votes, we did approve the agenda for this evening. Next item on the agenda is to approve the consent agenda. Do we have a motion? Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. And thank you, Mr. Ha. Do we have any discussion? All right, we can move to a vote.
2: Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. This passed. And with this approval, we approved the April 17th School Board Meeting Minutes, the Board Policies for Second Reading of Dress Code and Medicines, the Ravenwood High Band Tower, the High-Performing School District's Flexibility Act, approval to appoint Superintendent Jason Golden to serve on the Growth Plan Coordinating Statutory Designated Committee, and the Recommendation for Field Trip Fee Requests. Next item on the agenda is communications to the board. Mr. Golden.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, First, I want to thank the Mill Creek Middle School Choir who performed before the board meeting. I know a number of you in the audience came in and saw a little bit of that performance. And it was just a a great experience for us. and, And we look forward to doing more of those events. Uh, as As we progress over time, and it was neat to hear the uh, choral teacher speak to those students and say, "This is your last performance." and the the theme was, "So let's make it great." And that was that was uh, really enjoyable to see to see the interaction of those students uh, with their teacher there's a lot of good work going on in our schools I'm going to give a quick reminder and overview of some of the discussion points that we had at the work session Uh, in number one we talked about the strategic plan we presented to you a draft strategic plan based on the work that we had gone through over the past six months or so uh, with the help of Lipscomb University and their facilitators we presented you that draft uh, as a reminder, I've invited you all to study that, uh, remember and review those processes we went through with so many stakeholders over the course of those months as you prepare for next month uh, to, uh, to, to vote on that. Certainly share your thoughts on those, on those specific objectives and the focus points that we had on that strategic plan. Uh, we want to make sure we do it right, and as we've gone through this process so far, it's really felt that way, that we've had a lot of good in-depth discussions in ways we haven't had in, in past years, and so I'm very encouraged about where we are. I anticipate we'll make a couple of uh, couple of tweaks and adjustments uh, to that based on the feedback that uh, that you give us as we prepare for June. Uh, Second, we spent a good bit of time talking about what we call the third grade retention law, the summer school law. Uh, We shared a lot of detail about where we're headed with this, really just in the timeline from last Thursday to the time summer hits. Uh, It's a very, very detailed process that we need to go through to affect that law that the legislature passed two years ago and made an adjustment to just a few weeks ago. Uh, And it's interesting that we talked about that detail and told you some examples of things we weren't sure about even now. Well, since our Thursday meeting, there's already been one adjustment from the state. We told you that we expected on May 19th, which is this Friday, that the state projected they would actually get the TCAP results to us, and that they were not going to be able to differentiate between the approaching category and the below expectations category and we were going to have to notify all parents probably Monday uh, uh, that, their, that their children fell below those two categories and needed some interventions either in the summer or, or later. Well, we're now told that the state projects are actually going to be able to get us that differentiation on Friday. So we're encouraged by that. We hope that we can share with parents a little bit more detail uh, as we hit this Friday. As a reminder, uh, there is a retake that is online that we project will be the next week, uh, and, and the window of time for that retake is basically a portion of the last week of school for students, rolling into those last the last day or two after school lets out for students to take that retake. And then we have some work to do uh, as we prepare for that program for students in June. We have a number of students and parents who have committed to the summer school program at all those younger grade levels. uh, But third grade is the one where there's a potential for a requirement for some of our students to take that as a condition of them being promoted to fourth grade. Uh, So just wanna encourage parents to be looking for that, to be looking for conversations uh, with their principals. And you may remember that Dr. Allen on Thursday at our work session uh, mentioned that the structure is designed where no one has to go and no one rather has to be retained into fourth grade. And the essence of it is if you go to summer school, if you do the tutoring based on which category you fall, you don't have that requirement. I do have concerns about parent schedules. We've already heard stories about, well, we, uh, we have uh, non custodial parents who are supposed to have a child in the summertime and they live out of state. What happens, what happens with, with, with my child in those contexts? There will be a lot of very specific, detailed conversations between principals and parents over the next two weeks as they prepare for that. Uh, and we're going to have that responsibility uh, to comply with that Tennessee law. We know that reading is important. We know that for us, it starts for many of our students, many of our children even before kindergarten with our early childhood programs that serve students with disabilities and peers uh, and with our pre-K program, but we really hit that in earnest with, with kindergarten. Uh, we, we very much appreciate the sentiment and the thoughts behind this third grade law and this year we're gonna implement it and boy, we're gonna, we're gonna find out where we're at. Uh, and so I very much appreciate the team that's been working on that. We spoke to that on Thursday. This is really, in a lot of ways, been an all hands on deck process uh, to prepare for this. The state is still in the process of preparing for it as well. It's the first time they're going to have to deal with getting those test results out quickly. The appeal process, the, uh, the, uh, the retake process, um, but my final point on that is parents of third graders be looking for those conversations next week as we hope that we receive those test results this coming Friday uh, as we're having this meeting today. Next, I did want to mention to you, uh, Eric, Eric Welch presented a, a resolution to you for discussion at the work session. Uh, there was a lot of discussion related to that. And it's been recorded. It's posted on the internet. Certainly, uh, invite you all to go back and review that. Where, where we landed after that discussion was our administrative team is going to do some work. We're going to do some research. We're going to, um, we're going to talk to some of our stakeholders, uh, law enforcement, uh, some of our state legislators, uh, to get a feel for what is the best possible route for you all as a school board to find a way to increase student safety. To improve student safety, we know that the governor has asked for a special session, and that it's been scheduled in August. Uh, and so, we're going to be working working with that in mind, and uh, and and work off the comments that you all had related to the resolution and the detail of your discussion. Uh, and uh, 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 chair the chairperson and I, we will we will have some discussions in early June about where we are and come up with a recommendation to you all for a meeting uh, to discuss our next steps as we prepare for that August uh, uh, state legislative session. Uh, The bit I've seen from the state is that they are still working on that as well. Uh, And so I anticipate that we'll learn a little bit over these next few weeks about where they might be headed. And they may ultimately not know uh, where they're headed until that August special session as well final final comment I wanted to make is that this is the time of year for celebrations uh, and I mentioned to you so many celebrations that our students uh, had had over these last few weeks and there are more to come. We talked about the military recognition certainly encourage you to go back and look at uh, at at that uh, great event that we had for our students to thank them for their commitment. Uh, we had over 50 students commit to serve our nation in the, uh, in the armed forces. Uh, we're going through the process of athletic celebrations. We're going through the process of academic celebrations at our schools. I have signed a few hundred certificates for our students who are in our English language learners program as they pass what we call the WIDA test. Uh, and matriculated out of that program. So Joseph Winery, uh, who you all don't hear about very often in our, in our English Language Learners program, and his team, are, are, uh, are, are so many teachers are doing a tremendous job. I joked that I was developing a repetitive work injury for having to sign so many, so many certificates for those students. And the final celebration that we talked about uh, was the arts. We had an art celebration just a couple of weeks ago where so many of our students performed as exemplars of all the arts. And I want to mention a couple really neat results from that production. I think you all know uh, that, that the uh, executive director of the CMA Foundation attended that event. One of our students, Ashley, was invited to participate in the CMA Fest in the technical category to assist some professionals in an audio production event at CMA Fest. Uh, and those of you who saw that event, he, he spoke to us in, about the work he does behind the scenes. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, he introduced his presentation with, I'm on the wrong side of the microphone. He was not on the wrong side of the microphone. That's correct, Mr. Wimberly. It was a great presentation. He's so impressed that executive director of the foundation that he now has a chance to work with professionals over the summer at CMA Fest. Likewise, our Page High School Theater Group performed the intro to the theater production of 9 to 5 at that event. They have been invited to perform that at CMA Fest. Uh, so we 're yeah, thank you for the for the applause <laughs> y'all there 's a lot of great stuff going on, and i 'm so proud of uh, of our professionals who are leading who are leading athletics, who are leading arts, and y 'all who are leading ath- academics and This is driven in large part by our vision statement uh, that we will that, that Williamson County schools will provide a supportive environment. Uh, that challenges students to pursue excellence in academics, athletics, and the arts. And our, our people live it, you all set the tone, uh, the commission funds it, and it's really just a great community. Uh, we want all our students to be safe. We think about Maslow's hierarchy of needs, and we're working on every level of that hierarchy for every child every day, from those basics, to, to finding food, to meeting their needs, to self-actualization. It's something that we work on all the time for our students. Uh, so uh, board members, that's, that's my presentation uh, for our work session. Certainly encourage the folks watching this to go back at our, at our, and look at our work session and some of the detail of your discussion. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Madam Chair. Our next item is uh, Corey Mason from our communications department. Carol Birdsong is out. Corey Mason has close to 100 uh, celebrations. So we're going to go ahead and keep on emphasizing the points I was making just a minute ago. Mr. Mason.
8: (laughs) Well, good evening, everyone. It really is a pleasure to be here tonight and to introduce the Student and Staff Spotlight Award winners. I know there was a lot in April. There's as many, if not more, tonight um, for May, which is just incredible. We're going to begin with those students who have received a perfect ACT composite score in recent months. And you guys, I've in all my years with the district, I've never seen this many celebrated this achievement at one time. It's absolutely remarkable. We're gonna begin with Brentwood High School and Garrett Crouch, he received a perfect composite score on the ACT. Also from Brentwood High, Ryan Dawson, Ella Gamble, Josephine Gilbert, Adam Jazer, Taiga Koyama, Clara Beth Lee, Amy Park, Ali Siddiquiar, Davis Vizi and Brooks Wheeler. From Centennial High School, Cody Williamson got the perfect ACT score. From Franklin High School, Rachel Aylon, Caden Bridges, (coughs) Owen Gimignani, Jackson McDonald, and Oleksandra Siliutina. Page High School had one student who earned a perfect ACT uh, uh, score, Arnav Marita Varanasi, Three students from Independence got this honor Gianna Ross, Elijah Sauer, and Miles Wyckoff. From Noansville High, Wilson High and Daniel Rambo earned this honor. And at Ravenwood High School, A.J. Balajay, John Beck, Christina Chin, Jackson Garzina, Ayush Kumar, Jack Meyer, Christina Chi, Ella Dassel and Jack Herman got this award. At Renaissance High School, Tobias McNamara also earned a perfect ACT. And lastly, from Summit High School, Jackson Stinson got the perfect ACT. We're going to switch gears and move on to the National Academy of Television Arts and Sciences. Now, this is the organization that puts on the Emmy Awards every year. So they have a student production awards. Here regionally, it's a big deal, and our students did incredibly well. Starting with Brentwood High School, this group, Lila Husband, Granger Wang, Parker Wild, and Connor Vanderpool, won first place in Best Newscast. Grace Constantine from Brentwood High won Best News Story. And Lila Husband and Lenny Adobe won Best Anima- Animation, Graphics, Special Effects. Their teacher at Brentwood High, Sloan Ashworth. Franklin High School also had a good showing. Uh, Barrett Sheets, Blaise Camerson, Anna Ray Jones received the award for best art slash entertainment and cultural affairs. Claire Corney and Lily Buchanan got the award for best commercial. Hinton Lanier won the award for best animation, graphics, and special effects, actually tied with those Brentwood students that I mentioned earlier. And Lydia Wellborn won the award for Best Talent. Ethan Whitfield got the award for Best Writer. Their teacher at Franklin High School is Carrie Thompson. I'm really excited about this one because this is from Fairview High. And this is their first ever Natus Award win. Hudson Hargrove, who you see here, he won the first place award for Best Music Video. Their teacher there is Rob Gregory. Fantastic job for them. And at Ravenwood High School, Miles Raymer, Ansel Anderson, Jake Hillman, and Jack Woodside won the award for best fiction. Trip Scouten, who you see here, he won the award for best writer, which he tied with Ethan Whitfield from Franklin High School, but he also won first place for best director. And their teachers there at Ravenwood High School, Dude. Megan Sanchez and Chelsea Kite. Now to marketing and DECA had its state competition recently and our students did fantastic. At Brentwood High School, Adrian Noir won first place in retail merchandising. At Brentwood High School, Arshia Malhotra got first place in business services marketing series. Colin Carpenter, first place in personal financial literacy. Catherine Wolke, first place in entrepreneurship series. Maggie Winkler, first place in Human Resources Management. Olivia Candelaria, she won first place in Hospitality and Tourism Operations Research. Sasha Villaruz, first place in Sports and Entertainment Marketing. William Hong, first place in Financial Consulting. Neha Thanagalvilan and Parker Dixon, first place in the DECA Campaign chapter campaign winners. And these have all been from Brentwood High School. As you can tell, they have one of the largest, they actually have the largest chapter in the state of Tennessee. So they won the award for membership campaign and largest chapter. Their teacher there, Lisa Nice, has got that program just rolling. They are doing great work. Also at DECA, I love this. I love this picture, if you can see this picture. It just makes me smile every time I see it. Deepak Balamuragan got first place in business finance. And his teacher there at Nolansville is Leslie White. At Page High School, Allie Conkle, Parker Levy, and McKenna Poole got first place in the startup plan division. And Kayla Josephson, who you see here, got first place in principles of hospitality and tourism. And the teacher there at Page High is Tristan Brown. Now to Ravenwood High School. Anishka Chitredi and Prisha Shethia got first place in the innovation plan category. Gori Adarsh, Anika Bargava, and Varun Busa got first place in the integrated marketing campaign. Chloe Lee, Steffi Lee, and Sophia Wang got first place in Sports and Entertainment Marketing Operations Research Division. And Hannah Araya, who you see here, first place in hospitality and tourism tourism professional selling. The teacher there at Ravenwood is Brian Stuck. Switching gears, we're going to go to HOSA, which is um, where our future health professionals, the organization that they belong to. Independence High School won the award at their state convention recently for state medical reserve corps partnership. So the teachers there are Kelly Cole and Brandi Mangrum. From Page High, Adrian Jones won the award for State Behavioral Health Champions. And Virginia Luo won the award for Future Health Professional State Veterinary Science Champion. The teacher there at Page High, Suzanne Morrow. Futures Farmers of America had its state competition recently. And you see two students here, Tyler McKinney and William Pointer from Fairview High School. They received their state degree from FFA, which is the highest achievement you can get in the state in this organization. It is a very big deal. Their teacher at Fairview High School is Emma Corson. And at Page High School, Tate Hudgens here, he received the award for State agroscience Fair Champion. And his teacher at PAGE is Tristan Brown. From farming to technology, Tennessee Technology Student Association had its state convention recently, and Adwit Satyawadi, Swayam Bhatra, Sashank Dara, Joe Jamalamudi, Srikar Kusumanchi, and Anik Palapali got the award for the VEX Robotics Championship. They are from Ravenwood. Also from Ravenwood, Malvika Rao. Aditi Jindal and Prisha Shethia got the award for Audio Podcasting Championship. And also at Ravenwood, Seshadithia Saravanan got the award for State Future Technology and Engineering Teacher Championship. And their teacher there at Ravenwood is Jeremy Paisley. From Legacy Middle, Legacy Middle was one of the only middle schools who also competed in this, in this state uh, competition, and they did incredibly well. Legacy Medal, Krishna Deepak, who you see here, got the State Career Preparation Championship. Abby Everett and Melinda White won the State Challenging Technology Issues Championship. And Melinda White also got the State Digital Photography Championship. Charlie Burke. Cade McReynolds, Tucker Mize, Logan Rivers, and Maverick Rupert. They all worked together to get the State Inventions and Innovations Championship. Matthew Clements, Krishna Deepak, Dash McLeod, and Layton Taylor. They won the Junior Solar Sprint Championship. Daniel Ball, Dash McLeod, and Kai Schwab. They worked together for the State Mass Production Championship. And Emily Chambliss, who you see here, she won the TSA State Promotional Marketing Championship. And then last but not least, Logan Rivers and Kai Schwab got the TSA State Technical Design Championship. And all of those students from Legacy Middle, their teachers are Robert Baltz and Amber Whiting. And we have two staff spotlights to mention tonight. One of them, you heard his name earlier, Jeremy Paisley from Ravenwood High School. He was named the TSA High School Advisor of the Year. And lastly, Allison McSwain from Legacy Middle School won the bells Lippman Award, which is presented each year by the Tennessee Holocaust Commission to a handful of teachers from around the state who have shown excellence in the teaching of the Holocaust. And that concludes it. Congratulations to all of our state winners and our spotlights and staff. Incredible.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. That is my report.
0: Thank you. Thank you so much. Lots to celebrate at the end of the year. Next item on the agenda is the board chair report And then we have new business. I'm going to go ahead and combine board chair report with new business. The first item is evaluation of superintendent, um, which is an annual agenda item. Just wanted to talk with you about what that is. So we have two parts to this um, superintendent evaluation. There are three goals, three annual goals, that were set by Mr. Golden and five demonstrable characteristics. The three goals were strategic plan, the staffing and pay plan, and satisfaction and retention. The three goals represent 80% of the evaluation. Then the characteristics represent 20%. And those five characteristics are student achievement, board relations, community relations, staff relations, facilities, finance, and HR. And the board, each individual member of the board, takes time to review each of these areas and rate Mr. Golden on his performance across these areas each year. And the goal is for Mr. Golden to achieve better than a three, and he did surpass that goal. 3.67 3.67 in the 3. Point, uh, in the um, 3 annual goal section and 3.97 in the characteristics section. Um, would love to open the floor to Mr. Golden to provide some comments if he would like and then open the floor to the board members as well.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. And I want to thank the board uh, for, for sharing your thoughts. Uh, when I think about evaluations, I actually think about an ongoing process over the course of the year and the conversations that we have. Uh, and I want to thank you for those conversations. Certainly invite you to continue to have conversations with me uh, as we all work as a team uh, towards growing this district. This really is a team effort. Uh, the, the work we do is hard. Uh, the work we do is worth the effort. And I want to thank our leadership team for, uh, for, for, for their full commitment uh, to what we're doing in all aspects of it. Uh, we always have opportunities to grow. And I, I always take those suggestions that you all give to heart uh, as we continue to find ways to improve and grow the district. So thank you for the evaluation. Thank you for the confidence you have in us. And thank you for your leadership, the commitment you make uh, in running for office and uh, taking of your time uh, to, to help do good for our community. So thank you, madam chair. And
9: Mr. Welch. Welch? Uh, superintendent Gold, I just want to congratulate you on another great school year, almost a uh, little, little, little ways to go for across the finish line, but almost there. And another, uh, great evaluation, which you, you earned, um, I know on ours, I, I can't imagine there's a superintendent in, the state that has higher expectations put upon them, both because of the district that you're at and, and the, the high expectations that we have for Williamson County Schools and our students and teachers, but, but also the high expectations we have for you based upon the standard of, of excellence that you've <coughs> set over many years in and, and multiple roles here. So excited to have you and look forward to uh, a, another great evaluation next year that you will once again earn, I'm sure.
0: Thank you, and thank you again to the board members for taking time to provide comments and and get those evaluations, and very important part of the process. If no further comments, we'll go ahead and cast votes to approve Mr. Golden's evaluation. Oh, yes, motion first. Mr. Welch, do we have a second? Mr. Mitchell, thank you. Now we can vote.
2: vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. And it passed uh, with 11 approvals for the evaluation of Mr. Golden's, um, sorry, Mr. Golden's evaluation for the year. Next items on the agenda are school board budget items. First item is the approval of the general purpose school fund amendment for summer learning camps grant for $3.6 million. Mr. Golden?
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. This is one of two uh, grants from the state for what I called the third grade retention law, uh, or alternately the uh, summer school law, but which is actually called the summer learning camp grant from the state. The state is fully funding this program this year. I uh, do recommend approval of this grant.
0: Thank you. Do we have a motion? Mr. Haw and Mr. Wimberly seconds. Thank you. Any discussion? All right, let's move to vote.
2: vote is 11, yes, 0, no.
0: OK. The motion passed to approve the General Purpose School Fund Amendment for the Summer Learning Camps Grant. Next item is the approval of the General Purpose School Fund Amendment Summer Learning Transportation Grant for $667,000.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. Likewise, this is related to the uh, summer program uh, state funding for transportation. I do recommend approval. A motion?
0: A motion? Mr. Wimberly, a second. Thank you. Ms. Clements, any discussion? Okay, board members, let's cast our votes.
2: Vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. The motion passed for approval of the general purpose school fund amendment for summer learning transportation grant. Next item is the approval of general purpose school fund resolution additional SSS expenses for $725,000.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. As Rachel Farmer mentioned at our work session, uh, our CFO, this is the first of a handful of end of the year uh, requests for some of those items that were difficult to budget. This is for student support services, uh, $725,000 to to make a transfer. Do recommend approval of that.
0: Do we have a motion? Mr. Cash, and a second? Thank you, Mr. Mitchell. Any discussion? All right, board members, let's cast our votes.
2: Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. That motion passed to approve general purpose school fund resolution for additional student support services expense. Next item is the approval of general purpose school fund trustee commission for $900,000.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. Under Tennessee law, we uh, are scheduled and required to return some of our tax funds to the trustee, the collection agent, uh, countywide. Uh, and it's based on the amount of property tax uh, gathered by the, uh, by the trustee's office. Uh, do recommend approval of this $900,000 transfer to the county trustee's office.
0: Do we have a motion? Ms. Apriya, in a second. Mr. Beasley, thank you. Any
7: discussion?
10: we vote this down, what
7: does that <laughs> OK, if you vote this down, um, uh, uh, we'll still have the obligation. Uh, we'll, we'll, But the ball may be in someone else's court to enforce that. Uh, Ms. Uh, Farmer, any, any substantive answer to that question? OK, no. <laughs>
0: All right, board members, we can move to a vote.
2: Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. The motion passed to approve the General Purpose School Fund Trustee Commission $900,000. Next item is the approval of General general Purpose School Fund Resolution for the ESCO payment of $1.1 million dollars.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. We're a few years into what we describe as an ESCO uh, process, which is an energy savings program where we were able to do some capital improvements based upon an audit of the savings we could get in our energy bills uh, with particular capital improvements. And this is the annual payment. Uh, the audit projects how much we should save based on the based on, uh The particular energy savings uh, um, programs we implement including replacing lights some plumbing corrections etc this is paying for itself and this is the annual payment out of our savings uh, to pay for those capital improvements recommend approval
0: mr welch motion and mr haw seconds thank you any discussion okay board members let's cast our votes
2: Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. And with that, um, we approved the general purpose school fund resolution for the ESCO payment. Next item is approval of the general purpose school fund resolution for additional insurance expense for $625,000.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. This is another one of those items that's that's difficult to budget for that we usually make a uh, budget amendment at the end of the year based on actuals. Uh, This is for uh, insurance claims. And you can see the detail in that. We do recommend approval.
0: Thank you. Do we have a motion? Ms. Apriya and then Mr. Mitchell seconds. Thank you. Any discussion? Okay, board members, let's cast our votes.
2: Voters, is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. Motion passed to approve the general purpose school fund resolution for additional insurance expense. Next item is approval of general purpose school fund resolution reallocation of salary lines for $4.8 million.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. This is a proposed movement um, for the 2% uh, mid-year pay raise that we, that we enacted on January 1st uh, from the fund balance to all the appropriate line items uh, um, District wide. Do recommend approval of that.
0: Great. Do we have a motion? Mr. Wimberley? Okay. And a second by Mr. Beasley. Thank you. Any discussion? Okay. Let's move to a vote. The
2: vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. Motion passed to reallocate salary lines. Um, a appro- next item is approval of general purpose school fund resolution reallocation to contract services, $300,000.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, school psychologist's uh, position is one of the most difficult to fill. Uh, we still have the responsibility to provide the services. So this uh, request is to move $300,000 from the personnel line to the other contracted services for the work we did to fulfill those requirements. Do recommend approval.
0: Thank you. Do we have a motion? Mr. Welch, thank you. Mr. Haw, seconds. Thank you. Uh, Mr. Cash?
11: Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, <clears throat> Mr. Golden, how many, how many teachers are we short or psychologists are we short?
7: Um, I'm going to turn over to uh, Ms. Hall to ask about specifics. Um, it, it, it has varied over the course of the year just a bit. Um, can you give Mr. Cash a, an approximate number?
2: I
6: believe we are short two. Um, it, it's, it's not down a huge number like it was a couple of years ago where we were really struggling with, you know, 10 or 11 openings. It has, it's fluctuated. I think we're at about two right now.
7: Mr. Cash, if I may, related to that, uh, our school psychologists are actually paid at, at, um, at a 10% over the teacher line based on the shortage that we identified about two years ago.
11: Okay, thank you. Just wondering. Mr. Mitchell?
10: Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh Mr. Golden, relative to the pay for this for this psychologist, how does that align to the to the contract uh cost when we have to go out to, and hire them from a third party?
7: So it's a little bit more expensive uh in because it is a, a private provider. Uh i don't have an exact number Um, i can make sure we get that to you Uh, typically when you have a private provider they do have a a profit margin built in Um, we have a handful of contracted services our custodial is the most obvious uh, and and they use a lot of part-time people to fill in spots for the school psychologist work it is it is substantially more
10: so do have have we done any type of analysis on our pay structure for psychologists if we're If we're unable to fill it and we're having to pay a premium for third-party services because we're required to fill that, what are we doing to address the salary concerns, I guess, that that is keeping us from hiring?
7: Well, yes, we have. uh,
10: That's assuming that salary is the reason we're unable to
7: hire. Well, it's a combination of just the the total number of psychologists available um, plus income. So there's a shortage in Middle Tennessee. Uh, two years ago, one of our neighbors used the um, uh, ESSER money, uh, a, a bit of their ESSER money, to offer large bonuses in mid-year. Uh, and we, uh, we lost some school psychologists who left for those bonuses. Uh, we did substantially increase the pay at that point, uh, 10% plus a bonus. We are still offering that 10% over the teacher scale plus uh, a, a signing bonus. We've eliminated, if I'm not mistaken, somewhere around 80 to 85% of the total shortage based on that. Uh, if in, and so we were, at the end of this year, as Ms. Hall reported, we were too short. Uh, it continues to be uh, a, a focus point because there simply aren't enough in Middle Tennessee for the demands of the work. By the way, school psychologists largely do a lot of testing. They test students and identify them for, for additional services. Uh, so these generally aren't, aren't doing clinical work. Uh, it's, it's largely testing to prepare students for requests related to special education services, giftedness, uh, et cetera.
10: We have plans to address, to, to go further address the salary um, and the cost, I guess, of, of, uh, of in-house versus
7: Thank you for that. Uh, Ms. Hall's uh, team is working on that. And I'm going to add something to that. We're actually looking at uh, um, speech language pathologists, occupational therapists, and school psychologist as part of that. Uh, Special education teachers, as you all know, is a shortage in Middle Tennessee. We have added uh, bonuses for those those folks, actually did a mid-year bonus for some of those uh, teachers. Uh, and so we are analyzing that across the board. Our greatest shortage is actually our teachers, our special education teachers' assistance. Uh, that is our largest number in, in total numbers and in percentage. Uh, so it really is an across-the-board effort. Uh, we, we, we are recommending and recommended in the budget two months ago that 6% pay, pay increase. Uh, it is possible that based on market conditions, we may come to you uh, in the fall based on where we see the market with our hiring uh, with some requests based on that study mid-year.
0: Thank you. Okay, board members, we can move to a vote.
2: Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. The motion passed to reallocate funds to the contract services line. And next item on the agenda is approval of general purpose school fund resolution for additional operational expenses in the amount of
7: $488,000. Thank you, Madam Chair. If you see the detail of this, this uh, the line share of this is for portables. I want to mention that largely uh, it's portables at Brentwood Middle Page High School and College Grove Elementary. Uh, the commission funds those growth locations for capital, uh, and often in that window of time between um, us making the request, uh, we do hit that point of being overcrowded, uh, and so from it's it's. It's, it's something that I see as a powerful reminder to the commission that we do need those capital funds uh, to, to, uh, to improve and expand those facilities when they come. That is an, ele- an element that uh, we needed to include as a supplement to the budget this year. do recommend approval.
0: Thank you. Do we have a motion? Ms. Clements, in a second. Mr. Welch, thank you. Any discussion? Ms. Sapria?
12: I just had a question. I noticed this, um, well, now it's gone off the screen, but I didn't notice it at the work session. I just noticed it now. The third, thank you. <laughs> um, where it says, whereas there is also a need for additional legal fees, but at the bottom it says it's janitorial and it didn't match up. It, it mentioned portables paper and then the top portion says legal fees with the bottom portion.
7: Thank says, you for that. I did not notice that either. I believe that is a typographical error um thank you for pointing that out um madam uh, i'm gonna look over at, uh miss farmer miss farmer what should, how should that read should say janitorial so with your approval uh we will and and mr mr cook i don't know if we need a an amendment or but with your approval we'll correct that to janitorial thank
0: you miss sapria Okay, if no other discussion, we can move to a vote.
2: vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you, and that motion passed to approve additional operational expenses in the amount of $488,000. Next item on the agenda is approval of general purpose school fund resolution for additional fuel costs in the amount of $580,000.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. This uh, request is based on the increase in fuel cost over budget. Do recommend approval on that, um, on that increase.
0: Motion for approval? Mr. Cash with Ms. Apriya seconding. Any discussion? OK, let's cast our votes.
2: vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. The motion passed to move additional fuel funds in the amount of $580,000. Next item is approval of central cafeteria fund resolution, additional cafeteria expenses of $660,000.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. This is uh, the request to move to the appropriate line items from the food service budget, the uh, mid-year pay increase that we did uh, back in January. right Re- request approval.
0: Mr. Welch, motions to approve. Do I have a second? Mr. Ha, thanks. Any discussion? Okay, board members, let's cast our votes.
2: Vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. The motion passed to approve central cafeteria funds in the amount of $660,000. Next item is approval of extended school program fund resolution for extended school program expenses of $107,000.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. This is the uh, school-age child care program with its title the extended school program, what we think of as SAC uh, for that pay increase as well to move that to the appropriate lines. Recommend approval.
0: Thank you. Mr. Welch, motions to approve? And do we have a second? Ms. Apriya. Thank you. Any discussion? Okay, Mr. Cash?
11: Thank you, Madam Chair. I'm just wondering, is there uh, any chance we can expand on uh, how many kids <coughs> can go to SAC? <coughs> and possibly, uh, I know these, these are going to give some raises. Hopefully, that will draw some people. But uh, we're re- there's really a shortage out there.
7: Thank you, Mr. Cash. Uh, we have some of our school sites. Let me step back. Every one of our elementary schools has a school-age child care program, which provides care in the mornings before school and <coughs> care in the afternoons after school. Some of our uh, schools are fully staffed, but a large number of our schools are not fully staffed. Uh, we do uh, staff that based upon what we project as demand. Uh, and, and if we are short, then we don't have the capacity to provide that. Uh, we've done a little bit of research on that and our, our pay right now for child care workers is competitive maybe about a dollar above the average in Middle Tennessee for child care workers but we're still short in some of our regions more particularly in the middle of the of the county and on the Brentwood side we're we're especially short Um, we're doing some research in that context as well um, based on the conversation that we had that I had just a minute ago with Mr. Mitchell. Uh, Dr. Oyer uh, is the direct, is the assistant superintendent who has responsibility uh, for the SAC program. Dr. Oyer, is there any other detail you'd like to share? We agree.
13: Nope. We, agree. we are <laughs> Hello? We agree. Um, The leadership team that is a part of SAC has worked actively with human resources specifically this year. We have seen a bounce back from the staffing. Um, We have shifted some things in the organizational chart. They're very aware of the needs and and spend a significant amount of energy recruiting. They did take a dip during COVID and recognize that, but are beginning to feel, as I said, that we're coming out of that lift. But truly, anyone who is interested in working, we are interested in them working for us and so we'll take any recruitment ideas that we have that folks have um, and feel free to spread the word if if you hear of anybody who wants to work with us from our high school students and beyond
7: and i and i will tell you also this is a, this is one of those few items where it can be directly related to private providers there simply aren't enough private providers in the community that's one of the reasons we provide this service so it is a constant challenge
0: Mr. Mitchell.
10: Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Dr. Warrior, as the assistant superintendent for this program, can uh, I would be curious, have we ever done a survey of our parents to understand what their needs are relative to SAC? And, uh, for instance, I guess on Thursday I was talking about coming out of COVID, an awful lot of organizations have changed their workplace rules from five days a week to somewhat of a hybrid uh, work from home, work in the office. For instance, my employer is a three-day-a-week uh, requirement. And so our parents are probably in need. I, I would think that there's many parents who are in need of flexibility, not necessarily five days a work, a week support, but something on a two to three day a week. And we had talked about the challenge of hiring people for that. And my answer is, then let's pay a premium for their flexibility or create some type of an on-call program potentially for it. But my first question was, can we consider doing some type of survey of our parents to understand truly what what their needs are for a SAC program?
13: Certainly, I'm happy to pass that request along to Leslie Weaver, who's the director of the program, and work with human resources to to figure out exactly what those places would be. We have, as it was stated, um, provided raises to those folks and, and a shift in the organizational chart we're hoping will bring some folks in more consistently. It doesn't speak to exactly what you're asking. Um, We have shifted the drop-in model that has previously occurred because of the staffing that was mentioned. It's really hard to predict that. And if we don't have adults to serve those people, those students who are dropping in, it creates a staffing challenge in other places. So that is something that has been a shift that we recognize had an impact on some of that flexibility that our families had. When we get back to a place of solidity in staffing, I think we can continue to explore that level of f- flexibility. But we discovered um, in SAC leadership through their analysis that doing, providing that flexibility was creating staffing challenges beyond what they could handle at that time. So,
10: so again, I, my thought is that maybe there's a couple of tier programs sure. that get, can be th- three day a week versus five day a week and clearly define what the three days were. I get the challenge of a drop in or a drop off uh, you know, staffing around that. But if, if we know that our parents, that there's a subset or size, a reasonable subset of parents that needs something a little bit less than five days a week, maybe we can I understand. We
14: will explore.
7: Thank you for that suggestion. We'll, we'll, we'll study that.
14: Mr. Beasley. Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, I was curious, is there any um, scholarships or funding for the SAC program? I don't know if uh, any families out there are in need of that uh, extra support during the summertime.
7: Uh, th- we... We do have some. I'll let Dr. Oyer address that. Uh, uh, Generally speaking, well, it is 100% a self-funded program. Uh, It it exists in its own self-contained budget, but we do have some related to that, Dr. Oyer.
13: Thank you for the question. If there is a need, depending on what the circumstances are, sometimes it's students experiencing homelessness, students experiencing a foster care placement or change of placement, um, or students whose families are experiencing financial hardship. When that occurs, there is opportunity um, at the school level to have those conversations, the leadership at the school level, SAC program, and then those folks bring it to our site leadership, the SAC leadership. Director and assistant director, and assist with that financial assistance, and that does occur across the district.
14: Thank you.
0: Dr. Brown.
15: Thank you. Uh, Drayson's question made made me think of another question: Um, Is the is the SAC program allowed to take donations specifically earmarked for that purpose? There it is.
0: Board members, thank you for your questions. If no other discussion, we can move to a vote.
2: Your vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you. And that motion passed for additional extended school program funds in the amount of $107,000. Next item on the agenda is board policy for second reading um, library materials.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, the board policy before you is the policy that was, that was uh, produced after first reading. I know there's a substantial amount of discussion at the policy committee meeting. Uh, certainly welcome any discussion related uh, to that.
0: Do we have a motion? Mr. Mitchell? And a second, Ms. Apriya. And we'll open the floor for discussion. Ms. Cleveland?
16: Um, I'd like to make an amendment, and this, this isn't going to surprise anybody, by the way, and I'll explain later. Um, I'd like to make an amendment to um, make an additional addition to the policy, and um, it, is, it is to read, A written notification shall be provided by the principal or assistant principal to all parents, guardians of students in the same grade band levels schools with seven, within seven days immediately after the Ad Hoc Materials Review Committee presents its written recommendation to the principal and the superintendent. The notification shall include the title and author ch- challenged material, the recommendation from the Ad Hoc Review Committee, and the process of the parent-guardian should follow to opt his or her child out of checking the library materials. And Mrs. Osbrook does have that in writing. And I would like to speak first, prior, after the motions.
0: Yes, we will just need a second. Ms. Apriya. Oh, Ms. Sapria, did you second? Thank you. Okay. Okay, can we do we need to clear the board for comments on this amendment?
2: She's seconding the. Yes,
0: she's seconding the, the amendment. amendment. Yes, I'm um, sorry, yeah, Sheila's motion to amend
2: the original too though right yeah and she may be able to do that okay
0: thank good question thank you okay okay thank you miss Cleveland go ahead now
16: okay let's see how I can explain this okay originally as you all know we unanimously um, voted for this policy we've all thought it was a great idea but what happened at the policy committee we added this this clause in it because we were thinking originally and it was a great one was brought up by Mr. Mitchell to for instance the library books right now they're in challenged were it's being delayed month after month after month well during this time we felt that the um, parents should know what books are being challenged earlier and so rather than wait until the board vote let's go ahead and wait until the committee after the committee meets now And and the policy Everyone in the policy committee thought it was a great idea. Unfortunately, just because of miscommunication, it just didn't get into the work session like we had thought. So that is why the amendment's coming now. Um, now, there there was two amendments going around in the, um, the work session. One was should the parents be notified when the committee, ad hoc committee is together, if the review committee is together at that time, or should we wait <coughs> until after, the review committee has made their recommendation. I'm choosing after the recommendation, and this is the reason why. The review committee is not a committee that receives input um, input from the public. And so they meet, they do their job, and then they make the recommendation. If we were to put those books challenged and we notified the parents while the committee was meeting, this committee is, Appointed the principal points can bring in a teacher, a parent, or a student. If this the books were books being challenged, the parents were notified of the books being challenged. What I concerns me is the committee will be known, and all of a sudden teachers and parents are getting inundated with emails with opinions. That's our job. We take on that burden, not the parents, not the teachers, and definitely not a student if the students on that committee. And I don't think, you know, and after the committee makes a recommendation, send all the emails, your opinions, that's our job, that's what we're elected to do. But I'd rather see it after the recommendation, the committee does their job. And then, and this says within seven days, the parents are notified of the books that are out there. And just for, to remind you, what we're going to do is, it's going to say what books are being challenged and um, what the, you know, what the recommendation is and will also say, let the parents know you can talk to your librarian, you can talk to your principal, and or you can opt out um, by online and it will give explicit instruction, instructions how to opt out. So, you know, a guidance how to do it. And therefore, the bottom line of this is full transparency of what's going on in our system so all parents know. And it will also put the responsibility in the parent's lap of being able to choose what their child reads and what they don't because we do have the system to be able to opt out and therefore it's the freedom of choice for the parents. So that's the reason why I had that one. Thank you. Mr. Wimberly.
17: Thank you, Madam Chair. I guess I'm a little bit confused here. Your proposed amendment changes the policy back to what we've already approved in
16: first reading. What's the difference, if I may ask? The first, the one we approved at first reading was we would notify the parents after the board voted whether to, for the books to remain on the shelf or take them off. This one adds another layer because right now the, the review committee has already happened, what, three months ago, three or four months ago. And all this time the parents don't know there's books out there being challenged. So this gives a little bit more time saying, well, right when the recommendation is made, the parents should be allowed to know what books are being challenged once the recommendation is made, and then they will also be notified again of what the board's vote.
17: So the way you have proposed amending it, it's not that the notification will occur when the challenge is filed, but when the committee has decided and the board hasn't decided.
16: Right, it goes twice. Thank you. Yeah, parents are notified twice once after the recommendation and then once after the board votes. Okay, thank you. Welcome. Mr. Cash?
11: Yes, thank you, Madam Chair. Um, <clears throat> I agree with uh, Ms. Cleveland 100%. I think this is, uh, provides transparency for the parents, gives them an opportunity to maybe uh, voice their, their opinion with board members or the school system itself. So uh I think this amendment's uh, great. Thank you. Mr. Mitchell. Thank you, Madam
10: Chair. So um Miss Cleveland, thank you for this. I as I was listening to you read the amendment, I I think what you read was the uh, was the description in item number 2 from Miss Osbrook's um uh written explanation, which is not what you intended to read, I don't believe. So I believe so. uh, Item number two is the seven days immediately after the ad hoc materials review committee receives the request for recommendation. You wanted to read. You wanted the amendment that you wanted to make, I believe, was item number three in Ms. Osbrook's uh, I thought she read number two as I was, I realized they're very similar, but I was kind of reading it while you were speaking it, and I didn't hear the afterwards. Okay, fair enough. As long as everybody else heard heard correctly what Sheila was looking for. Um, so I'll I'll support this, but I don't agree <clears throat> with the fact that it, that there's harm in announcing to our parents that we've got a, that we've, that we have uh, stood up a committee to review uh, one or more books that have been brought to that have been challenged. Uh, I don't worry about pressure on the committee. I mean, that's part of, part of doing their job, I guess. But I, I, I think that it's, I think our parents are smart enough and need to know at the time that there is a group of books that are being considered. I'll also make the point that those books stay on the shelves and in the library during that review period. And sometimes that review period, as it was last year, lasted almost the entire school year. So um, I'll support this because I don't think there's harm in, in uh, notifying our parents. But I'll make the point that I don't think there's harm in notifying our parents at the beginning of the committee's formation either. Thank you, Mr. Brown.
15: Thank you, Madam Chair. Just maybe, just to give a little context to the timing of this, or th- if this were to play out the way that she was describing it, um, if if everything went according to plan and we didn't have the current situation where we we we're waiting on um, information from the state, let's say we had all the information we needed, we were we were, had all the clarity we needed about the process. If the review committee made their recommendation what would then be the time frame between that recommendation and when we would be voting on it as a board
7: ordinarily Uh, for a library book uh, once the recommendation comes in we would put it on the next board meeting so depending on the exact day it fell it would be less than a month in almost all situations what we're really
15: talking about is 30 to 60 days 60 at the very most um so i don't know that that's I think, I think the amendment's good. I'm, t- I'm fine with supporting, and I just thought that's important context, that we're really not talking about a really lengthy amount of time between when the c- recommendation is made and when the vote would take place. So folks aren't going to be getting hung out there for a long time without knowing. But I don't think there's any harm in more transparency. I think more transparency is always good.
0: Thank you. Ms. Cyprian.:
12: So this kind of is a follow-up question to what Mr. Brown just asked. Um, is it gonna be a little bit excessive to get two emails potentially like really close to each other? Because I, I fully support the amendment. I think that's the perfect time and I support sending the email to parents and giving them all the information and having them have an option for opting out and clear instructions. I think that's all good. I just wonder if we really need to do both or if we could just send that email. And then parents who are really interested to know the outcome would have to pay attention to the school board meeting to see how we voted which could potentially be like a week later in some cases
7: if if I'm not mistaken if this amendment passes the uh, um, current number 10 would still be included so to your point there would be the potential for two notices in fact two notices would have to happen under the under the policy
12: that's what I'm asking can can we amend the amendment to just remove the second notification and and that kind of just gives the parents the information they need to opt out at that point, not knowing what the board will do or not. And if they really want to pay attention and see, they can just follow the live recorded meetings to see the outcome of the vote. But
7: I'll let I'll let Mr. Cook answer the the procedural question.
18: Sure. Okay. We've got a motion to amend by taking out the last sentence. Uh, Number three, which reads All you're doing is amending this
0: to remove the second notification. Got a motion on the table? Do we have a second? Would anybody like to second Miss is recommending or motion moving? Motioning that we <laughs> remove the second notification to the parents, so the parents would get a re- notification at the time the committee is about to go un- into and their they review.
12: Send the recommend at the time they make the recommendation.
0: Okay sure. By
15: doing this, we'd be essentially taking out the part that we agreed on in the original first reading vote, which was to notify once after the disposition by the board. Is that correct?
12: So right now, if we approve Ms. Cleveland's amendment, we'll be notifying twice because we've already done a first reading that says we'll notify them once. And then during the policy committee, we'd agreed that maybe the notification should come before the board takes a vote i kind of understood at that policy meeting that that would be the only notification i feel like there's a lot of parents out there that are going to be a little bit sick of double (laughs) notifying and all the emails that might come through um so oh thank you okay Are we in discussion Mr. Brown, now? Y-
0: um, yes. We just got a second from Ms. Cleveland. Mr. Brown and Mr. Beasley, you want to punch in, too? Okay.
15: Am I on? OK. So to me, if we're, gonna, if we're only going to have one notification, the more important one is the disposition of the board, by the board, not ultimately what the parents, I think what parents would want to know is what did the board decide to do with the recommendation that was brought forward? So I thought by adding the other notification, it was really more of a courtesy to say, while we're waiting for the board to act, by the way, this recommendation has been made by the committee. So it was more to give them a heads up that a, vote, a board vote is coming just in case. That's more the courtesy vote. The more substantive notification is the one about what the board decided to do with the recommendation, in my opinion. So I'd be a no on the amendment.
0: Mr. Beasley? Oh, sorry. Uh, Okay.
14: Thank you, Madam Chair. From my understanding, during the policy meeting, that we wanted more transparency for the for the board and the school system to reach out to the parents. So that's why I supported. I'm supporting the the um, the amendment that Ms. Cleveland is sending out um, because I believe that the parents will love to know about the books, know about which books are being challenged, but also they will want to know. I know for sure I would want to know the disposition from the board. After that's done. So I think the more transparent and the more communication, I don't think is overkill, um, would be more appropriate than anything.
0: Thank you. Ms. Cleveland?
14: Just what he said.
0: Okay. Mr. Welch?
16: Um,
9: I, I, I agree with Mr. Perea that I think at some point it becomes overkill. There's a. Um, famous consumer <coughs> research study I'm going to reference here, it's it's the jam study in which um, they went into a grocery store and gave out free samples of jam. They had about four samples and measured how much sales were. And they went back a week later and they gave out choices of eight different flavors and measured how much the sales were. And when they went from four to eight, and I could be screwing up the numbers, but there's a general idea, the sales went down. And the reason why is because you get information overload at that point and the consumer pulls back. It's the same thing that Amazon saw when they had too many options on their, their screen. You, you get you get It happens all the time. The parents don't pay attention to it. If the point is transparency, there is complete transparency here. Um, we announce it. We, we have updates. We have published. Um, outcomes we're talking about sending a notification on this we all agree on the notification i just think with the number of times we're looking at it, it becomes all the time with the emails and at some point our parents go well have i seen that one before or not i, I it sounds familiar and it becomes a little bit too much so i i, I listening to it and sort of thinking and, and listening to the debate i've kind of come full circle and i and i agree with miss apri I, I think at one point probably one is enough um, at that point, it's it's not only isn't transparent, but it's being proactive, which I think is a better word for this. Uh, you know, we've always been transparent. I think this is more of a, a proactive engagement with it. Um, I'm also going to agree with Mr. Brown. I think the the more important one of the two is the board action on it, because that is the one that's the the actual decision um, that we're doing. And if the stated goal of this is to give the parents the opportunity to respond and and what they need to do if they don't want to see that book what have you at that point they they have the the opportunity um to do it beforehand is a little bit premature uh, i think
10: thank you mr mitchell thank you madam chair so um I, i agree with mr welch that the that the intent of of all of this communication is to communicate to the parents on how they can opt out if they so want to while the books are being reviewed or determined. Um, I agree with Mr. Brown that the most important communication is probably on what the disposition of the board was relative to the committee's recommendation. Did we accept it or did we not, And and what is the ultimate result that's going to happen on the books. Are they going to be removed or are they going to be left in? Um, But in every communication, the parents are told how they can individually communicate to their librarian to keep their children from reading those books or checking those books out if they so desire. Um, In the situation that we're currently in, we would have had a communication had this had this amendment been in place. We would have had a communication probably, what, three months ago, four months ago. And we're still waiting for the last communication because we've tabled and deferred and we've kicked the vote, pushed the vote out for multiple months. So the concept of more than only one that communication may never happen, because the board technically doesn't have to act on the committee's recommendation. Second, So by at least having a communication after the committee makes a recommendation, we're guaranteeing that something is going to go out to the parents on the challenged books. Um, But I'll, and for what it's worth, I'm not winning any opinions on this, I still believe the best time to communicate is when the committee is set up. Because Mrs. Oyer, Dr. Oyer, remind me, we, that committee on the, the one where we had five books challenged, that committee took three months to get through those books, I guess. Am I remembering that correctly? No, not the wit-, wit and wisdom we were talking was, what, eight or nine months to get through that. But the one that we're the committee recommendation that we haven't voted on now, how many months did the committee meet before they gave us a recommendation?
13: About two months, approximately. About two months, months right.
10: Yes. OK. Thank you. Anyway, so my summarize real quick my comments here, I think the the two communications is has value, and I'll support the two communications.
12: Thank you. Ms. Apriya? Um, so I wanted to remind everyone that the policy states that the communications will be provided by the principal or the assistant principal, which, in my opinion, feels like a lot of work, depending on how many books end up being challenged, um, that we would be putting some burden back onto the administrative professionals at each school site. And then also, um, kind of what to Mr. Mitchell was saying, if a parent had a concern about the content and wanted to know about opting out or how to do that, I don't think, I don't think their priority is going to be how the board voted. I don't think that's going to be the most important time for them to get notified. I think they're going to want to know about the book in the library and, and how to opt their child out earlier rather than later. So I still think this is the best way and that too is, is a little bit too much. Miss Clements, how
19: about now? Yes, okay, yay okay um i really like the idea of the two communications i served on one of just um, one of the committees that we just had one book but i think that um, notifying the parents when the formal um, committee begins is good because we have months that pass before there's any decision made and i mean this is a great example of um, time so I, I like the idea of one going out of the formation of the committee. And I thought we talked about this in one of our meetings, but do we, is it, is it public knowledge? Do we put who's in the committee in the announcement? Do we need to do that? Do we, I mean, what, what is the?
7: It's public information. We have not historically broadcast it to all the, all the community like the discussion exactly. is about the decision of the committee
19: exactly so we could just announce this and if people want to go look they can find it but it doesn't need to be in the email to me it's always short and sweet concise and precise Um, so i do like the idea when we when the decision the formal decision is being made um, that is going forward to a committee and then announcing at the very end Um, there is a bigger time span and um, i think parents appreciate the communication on this because there's transparency and I like that we have instructions on how to opt out so I don't know which amendment to vote for I know we've got a bunch on the line and so um, but that's what I, I think that is clearer with the parents thank you
0: Mr. Wimberly
17: I'd like to call the question but in a porn of order I'd like for it to be read what it is that we're voting on right
0: that's good Miss yeah Bobby is just about to do that for us
18: the motion you have right now is the amendment to the amendment. So basically, if, if the, you vote yes on this, what you are doing is that you are removing number 10. That reads, after the board votes on the challenge library materials, a written notification shall be provided by the principal and assistant principal to all parents, guardians, students, in all same grade band level schools. The notification shall include the title and author of the challenge material, the action of the board, and the process paragraph should fall at his or her child out of checking out the library material. So, basically, if you vote yes to the motion, you are, you are deleting that language. You're deleting the second notification.
17: And the second notification is? After the vote. So there would be one notification after the committee makes its recommendation. Thank you.
15: draft, where the first notification is referenced, just for,
18: just for clarity? It's in the First Amendment, um, which is the third the third option you were given in the email, basically. So it's it's in what Sheila read originally? Correct. 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 Your second notification is contained in the number 10 that's currently in there. So basically, you are amending it to take number 10 out, second a motion that you will be voting on should you pass, is going to be accepting number ten into the policy.
15: One more point of information, though. We we did not vote on Sheila's amendment yet, though. Not so yet. it's not attached to the it's not attached to the policy yes. currently.
18: Correct, correct. Oh. You're just voting on the amendment to that amendment. So,
15: so we, so if we if we vote for Jen's amendment. Then, where we find ourselves is that the policy as written has no notifications in it.
18: Oh, no, because you now you still have the Second Amendment to deal with, the original primary amendment. You've bo- got a primary and a secondary amendment.
15: I'm saying until we vote on the primary amendment, there's no notification language in, the, in
18: there. I'll take care of that amendment. So, you will be voting on it.
17: It's just a point of order. I made a motion to call the question, and I don't think we've dealt with that motion. I know. <laughs>
0: yeah. Okay. Although that was
17: good.
18: (laughs) (laughs) I think. Do we um, We need a second on that?
0: Do we need a second the call to question? Mr. Weld? Well, no one
14: else
0: wants to speak. No one. I don't think anybody's.
17: But I'm going to ask one more time, explain what a yes vote means. And if you could, don't mention the sentences,
18: just speak in the terms of the notifications. If you, if you vote yes to this amendment, to the amendment, you are keeping in the language that will provide for that second notice once this board makes a decision. No. If
12: you vote yes, you're taking it
18: out. That's correct. You're correct.
12: So, just one so if you're voting yes,
18: you're basically, you're deleting number 10 that's currently there. You're deleting that second notification provision.
12: What was approved? The notification that was approved for first reading.
7: But if I may, I hate to, I hate to add to it. If if I may, this is an amendment to the amendment, and then the amendment sits with adding one notice, and if it fails, we're back to the existing language that's in the packet.
0: Mr. Golden, do you have a recommendation?
7: Are we ready for recommendation? Um, M- Madam chair, I'm tempted to recommend we take this back to policy, but, but it'll yeah, we're not going to do that. I recommend approval for this, but I want to explain why. It's in part for what I just stated, that if you all make a decision to pass the amendment, and then the board and the policy passes, we have one notice. At the time of the decision of the committee, without a requirement that the principal notify all families about the final board decision, we will post the final board decision regardless. So, because of that, I recommend approval of this. It eliminates the requirement for two notices. It eliminates the potential that 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 we've that that uh, that individuals just stop reading our messages. We usually are very careful about that, and we'll, we'll, we'll post that. I will tell you, administratively, it also does not prohibit us from sending another notice out. It just prevents the requirement that we send to. So that's my recommendation. Recommend approval of this. Absent any further discussion on the amendment, the original amendment, um, I intend to recommend approval of that.
0: We'll go ahead and go to vote since there's nothing on the board
7: for speaking. Okay. No, I'm sorry. We, we don't do, do have recommend to. Oh, that w- th- was.
0: On since there's nothing on the board, we can go to vote. Okay. We, we can go to vote since there's nothing on the board. So we're voting on Ms. Apriya's uh, amendment to the amendment. Okay. Board members, please cast your votes.
2: Your vote is five yes, six no.
0: This did not pass, so we're back to the amendment that Ms. Cleveland put forth, which is two notifications. Okay, So we need to now open the floor for discussion. We have Mr. Golden's recommendation, unless you want to amend your recommendation.
7: If there's any, disc- if there's any discussion, we'll, we'll see.
0: OK. Floor is open. Mr. Brown. Okay, so
15: this is to vote on two notifications. Can we be clear on when those notifications
18: would take place? The first notification will take place um, once a recommendation recommendation has been given to the principal and the superintendent. And then the second notification will be after this board makes a decision, which you've already voted on. So you are basically voting on right now that first notification provision.
0: Miss Clements, (laughs) dare I? (laughs) That one doesn't work.
19: I I really am in favor of the first email going out when there's been a formal when there's been a decision for the formal committee. Versus, because then it's a little more time. because parents the option to know once the once the formal process has begun and and it allows them how to know how to um opt out earlier when all this process has begun because I know after serving on one of these committees that it takes months to go through this so i y'all don't be mad at me <laughs> but I would like to make a motion to amend this to the first notification going out when the formal process has begun
18: can I do that? No, because that motion is going to pretty much just overdo what you're doing right now. So, if that's a motion you want to make eventually, you would vote no for the one on the table and then make the motion subsequent to that.
9: I swear to God. Mr. Welch, Anna Golden, how many books do we have in the library, in a high school library?
7: Ballpark. Ballpark, um, somewhere between ten and twenty.
9: <coughs> I'm sorry, how many? Thousand so, ten thousand or so. Let's call it ten thousand. Okay. So what we're talking about here now with two of them is the the stated concern is that that three month, one month, thirty day, sixty day, ninety day gap for the a one in ten thousand odds that the student will check out that particular library book prior to the final notification. It doesn't seem like a very realistic concern to me, statistically speaking.
0: Board members, I think we can cast votes on the amendment on the floor. Recommend approval. Thank you.
2: vote is eight yes, three no.
0: Okay, motion passes. Back to the original uh, motion. And this is for the board policy second reading library materials with the amendment incorporated. Okay. Mr. Brown.
15: Okay, so I, I'm going to make a motion that I think everybody sh- would agree with because it takes a burden off the principles. So go to, let's go to item 10 or section 10 that we've now adopted jen made a point that i took took notice of when she said that there's a burden on the principal and the assistant principal to make these notifications correct me if i'm wrong but we're saying here that all students in same grade bands at every school in the district is that correct if, there, if there's one if there's one recommendation by the committee and one vote by the board Everybody in that grade band across the district is being notified. That's the way I read it. Why wouldn't that notification come from the central office one time versus 15 different principals, 20 different principals doing that? So I'm going to move that we, instead of it saying provided by the principal or assistant principal, it would say provided by the district office.
0: Thank you. We have a second by Mr. Wimberley, so we will open the floor for discussion on this amendment. And that's to shift responsibility to central office. Ms. Cleveland?
16: I agree with it. I think that's a great idea. OK.
0: Great. OK, let's move to vote. Your
2: vote is 11 yes, 0 no.
0: Thank you that motion passed so now we have an amended amendment and to the original reading second reading of the library materials policy and we are back to discussion on this amended amended policy okay any discussion on this policy before we go to vote yeah sure Bobby do you want to have the honor
18: what you are voting on now is a written notification shall be provided by the main office, principal, or what was the word you used? Central office. Central office, provided by the district office, print, district office to all parents, guardians of students, in all same grade band level schools within seven days immediately after the ad hoc materials review committee presents its written recommendation to the principal and to the superintendent.
0: Okay, board members, let's cast our votes. Recommend approval. Oh, thank you, Mr. Golden.
2: Your vote is 10 yes, 1 no.
0: Thank you. So that motion passed, and we have the library materials for the second reading approved. All right, next item on the agenda is approval of PECA memorandum of understanding. Mr. Golden.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. Uh, Annually, we uh, present to you uh, what is called the PECA, the Professional Educators Collaborative Conferencing Act Agreement between the WCEA and uh, Williamson County Schools. And this is based on a a decision every three years that our teachers make uh, for representation in this. And then in between those three years, there's discussion among the team related to uh, pay, uh, working conditions, and benefits. Uh, so you have the pres- presentation from that, um, c- from that conference uh, for recommendation. And I want to thank our leadership team uh, who works through this, and Dr. Webb leads that. And I want to thank the WCA and Laura Clayman, uh has led that that group um, this year. Do recommend approval of uh, this, pr- this uh, draft for next year.
0: Do we have a motion? Mr. Wimberly? In a second? Mr. Mitchell? Thank you. Any discussion? Mr. Brown. Thank
15: you. Jason, on section 3.5, there's an addition there of the words as approved by the district superintendent when it comes to the um, appointment of a part-time association president. Can you explain why that language was added? And if so, why was that not within your purview before?
7: Yes, sir. Uh, So uh, the discussion here is there's a possibility that the the association might have a president who is actually not working for us during the window of time that they're president, but paid uh, through a possible grant or some other funding. Uh, The discussion I had with our leadership team was I'm concerned about the possibility of filling that position if someone is out. And so we have that language in there uh, to address that possibility. And the team, including our teachers, recognize that our number one goal is to make sure students are served. So that's why that has been added. Thank you. And we
0: can move to a vote.
2: vote is 11 yes zero no
0: thank you and this motion passed for PECA memorandum of understanding last item on the agenda is the approval of the certified and classified pay schedules for 2023 and 2024
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. As you know, you approved the uh, proposed budget for the board uh, for for the com- county commission, rather, uh, to make a final decision on in late June. Uh, these are the pay charts that reflect that aggregate budget amount that you made a decision on. Uh, a couple of months ago, and it includes a 6% pay raise. I will point out specifically, we have many teachers, a few hundred teachers who actually are off the pay scale. They will also get that 6% pay raise that you approved a couple of months ago. Do recommend approval of uh, these pay charts.
0: Thank you. Do we have a motion, Ms. Cleveland, in a second? Mr. Welch, thank you. Uh, Mr. Haw.
7: Thank you, Madam Chair. Um, Mr. Golden, I just wanted to underscore something you said, I think, about four or five hours ago in this meeting. Uh, the You said that there may be a possibility of revisiting some of these pay uh, values and the charts and different positions in fall. Uh, yes, sir. So, do uh, you recall when we went through the uh, budget approval process, uh, we included what was at the time a deficit budget based on our TISA projections. Um, We should have some information. So number one, we proposed a budget that we felt like we could afford, and we projected we should be able to afford based on a conservative estimate of TISA projections. That came out to be pretty close. In fact, the projections from TISA would include, we wouldn't have the capacity to even increase pay by 1% with our current projections. We do have some outcomes. Uh, potential that the state ought to let us know in October. We know that the market is very volatile in some professions. And so I wanted you all to know that we believe it's wise not to say this is it no matter what, but if there's volatility in the market and there's a substantial change, we need to be flexible within what we can afford. Thank you. It feels like that's sort of the new normal in the last couple of years. And I appreciate that flexibility. Thank you
0: board members no other discussion we can move to a vote
2: your vote is 11 yes 0 no
0: thank you and that motion passed and that was for the approval of the certified and classified pay schedules for 2023 and 24 that was the last item on our agenda and which now we are adjourned thank you